You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in to the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Time to get you ready for Notre Dame today on the show, and no better way to do that than with the help of our friends over at Locked On Irish. That's right, Joe DeLeon will join us, get you the 411 on all things fighting Irish ahead of Syracuse and Notre Dame on Saturday. So that should be a fun one. We'll talk to him in just a little bit. But first, if you're new to the show, go check us out wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and you can get the latest episodes. Again, we're here every single weekday for you on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. So you'll get those episodes right into your feed first thing every single morning. So be sure to do that. Also, Appreciate all you five-star listeners out there. That's what we're calling you, the five-star listeners, because a lot of people are getting those Spotify raps right now, and a couple of you have even tweeted at us that we are your most listened-to podcast of the year, so we appreciate that. Thanks for joining us along this ride of Syracuse hoops and football and everything else in between, so we appreciate all you listening out there. So today on the show, again, I mentioned we're going to get into a preview of Notre Dame. Don't forget tomorrow on the show, we will get you all caught up with what happened with Niagara from tonight's game. And if you want any Niagara preview, we got that on yesterday's episode. So you will get everything Purple Eagles and Syracuse from the matchup going on later tonight. And then we'll recap it for you tomorrow and get you a little bit of a primer on Ryder to get you ready for the weekend as well. So that's all coming up tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Tim will be with me for that. We'll also do the prop shop today. And of course, We'll get you to Bundo's digits later on in the show. But let's talk some Irish, some Syracuse right now with the Locked On Irish. All right, time to take a look at the Fighting Irish here with Joe DeLeon from Locked On Irish here joining us on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. I love these little Locked On intersections that we do here on the network. So, Joe, thanks so much for joining us. Joe also, a former long snapper from the college ranks from Rhode Island. So for all the Jalen Carey fans out there who have transplanted and need a little look into the, the Rams, you can do a little football research and find Joe's old, uh, what was it, like the athletics page that they put together. I'm sure you're on there as well. Um, but Joe, thanks so much for joining us. We're taking a look at the Irish today. And this is a game <laughs> that pretty much no Syracuse fan is expecting to win. And I know we've got the football trolls that listen to us and always tweet at us after games. Like, how can you say this team has no, no effort or no faith and how can you pick against them? And they played close with Clemson and, but just can you kind of roll out for us? How good is Notre Dame and why are they going to stomp Syracuse on Saturday? Yeah. The, the simple way to put it and you keep hearing it, more and more analysts each week say the same thing. This is one of the most, if not the most complete team in college football, they're dominating really talented offenses Every single week. We saw that against the Tar Heels last week where a team that scored 50 points against Wake Forest was held under 20. That's a pretty significant feat for them to do. And then offensively, even when they stumble and they're struggling, they give up sacks, turnovers, fumbles, they still are very productive. And they're able to put points on the board in important spots. There's a reason why they beat Clemson. There's a reason why they've stomped opponents that people keep saying are going to upset them. This team across the board is talented at offensive line, at running back, at receiver. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the country, despite him not being a super talented quarterback prospect. Their defensive line has a number, number of names that are heading to the senior bowl. Their linebackers continue to shine, particularly Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, 
who is likely going to be a first round pick. The only deficiency I would point out is maybe some of the spots in their secondary. You still have a guy who next year, who's going to be a first round pick and Kyle Hamilton at safety. There aren't a lot of weaknesses. It's one of the few teams in college football that doesn't have a glaring issue that's holding them back. You know, it's interesting. You bring up Ian book and it's funny because the guy that Syracuse has coming in next season to play quarterback and the guy who Cuse fans are pinning as the quarterback of the future is this kid, Justin Lampson, who's friends with Ian book. And I think they went to the same high school, but they trained together in the off seasons. So Ian book, again, you kind of said he's not a guy who gets a ton of respect and, and now he's starting to get more and more of it. And maybe can be a quarterback of a championship team in college football, but with, with Ian book this season, what has been a way that you've seen defenses maybe not stop but he he slams on the brakes a little bit and can be contained a little the the biggest way that he's been slowed down in any manner is if you aggressively pressure him he's not the fastest quarterback I continue to to chirp that I believe he's the best improviser in college football Ryan hates it my co-host when I say that because he can name 10 other guys that he feels from his NFL draft perspective are better than him but if, if you pressure him, he's one of those guys that can roll out of the pocket and throw on an awkward angle and still get the ball out. He notoriously made that goofy pitch throw against the, against the Tar Heels, against UNC, that drove a lot of fans crazy, but at the same time were amazed that he was able to complete a pass like that. But if you play really good contain with your defensive ends and you rel- relentlessly pressure him with two guys on the interior of the offensive line that are hurt. You have two younger guys playing, especially with Zeke Corral, who has limited experience starting at center in place of a future first-round pick, Jarrett Patterson. If you send a lot of pressure, you can actually slow down Ian Book. It's hard to actually pinpoint and say that that is 100% the way to stop him because not a lot of teams have been able to completely take him out of a game this year. This is one of the few years where he's had some serious confidence in those situations and been able to at least step up on some of those occasions to work his way out of it. So you might be able to slow him down for the beginning of the game or a portion of the game. He's just one of those guys that does so well under pressure that at some point he's going to break free and he's going to start doing what he does best. You know, it's funny you bring that up that you just got to pressure him. And with Notre Dame, a team that can recruit the offensive line like they do, much easier said than done. And Syracuse, quite frankly, doesn't get a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. And it's why you see some of these teams put up gaudy numbers. So I think you just scared off a lot of Syracuse fans that maybe had a sliver of hope that they could pull off a victory in this one. So uh, thanks for that. Um, I will say this with with Book, and you bring up the, the defenses that he faces this season. So Syracuse transitioned to a 3-3-5 defense. And you're a football guy. You've played football a long time. You play college football. Have you seen Ian Book go up against 3-3-5 defenses? And how has he either exploited them? Or how has he maybe struggled a bit? See, off the top of my head, I'd I'd have to do a little bit of digging if he's gone against any 3-3-5s. Well, how about this? Let's forget the digging, okay? Yeah. How about... If you were a defensive coordinator, would you run a 3-3-5 against Ian Book? Yeah, I I think that depending on how you utilize your linebackers, and again, if you're willing to pressure with some of those linebackers, you can be effective with it. 
one of that's one of those schemes where you're running five defensive backs because you're most talented at defensive back. And at the start of the season, Syracuse was very talented with a lot of their guys. Andre Cisco is the one guy that I point to as is the most talented guy right now. He's hurt. I think that even if you still have talent at, at, at DB in a corner at safety, Ian book is still one of those guys that's smart enough to find that open alley, even though you're trying to play heavy coverage. I wouldn't go in, 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 in a heavy focus on trying to play a lot of coverage specific defenses, a lot of zone, all that stuff. I would rather try to see more of an aggressive approach up front, put some guys on the line of scrimmage that you typically don't instead of trying to go out there with a heavy DB look. All right, listen up. We're on sports overload right now. It's awesome. I love it. You love it. And the only way to enhance it is with Mountain Cold Coors Light. So do what I do. Just go kick back on the couch, throw on some hoops, throw on some football because we have it all the time. We had a a day football game. We have all these great basketball games during the week. So do what I do. Kick back. Open some Coors Light, watch some football, watch some basketball. You know, it's the holiday season. It's stressful. You might be out buying presents for people right now. Who knows what you're doing? You got a lot going on in your life. And that's where Coors Light makes it easy for you because guess what? You can get Coors Light delivered straight to your house. That's right. Coors Light can appear at your door in just a couple of clicks. They'll do all the heavy lifting for you, the delivery. That's right. It's not just your local restaurants anymore that deliver to you these days. Coors Light will appear at your door in just a couple of clicks and boom, you're ready to chill. Go to get.coorslight.com and you can have a six pack, 12 pack, or even a 24 pack of mountain cold Coors Lights at your doorstep in under an hour. Go to get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Golden, Colorado. Now I want to look at the running game uh, of this Notre Dame team because Notre Dame He's, I mean, Kyron Williams, I've seen him a handful of times this year, and he's impressed me a lot in what he's been able to do on the ground. And uh, Syracuse is a team that defensively, they can stop you pretty well through the air. And, and they've had a number of defensive backs show up and, and play much better than we've expected them to play. But where they've been gashed is on the ground. We've seen a number of games where they've allowed over 300 yards rushing. For Syracuse fans, I mean, sure, you slowed down ETN, but maybe you caught lightning in a bottle there. Do you see Kyron Williams having a big day against the Orange? One of the things I keep seeing with Kyron Williams is even if he starts slow, he is a guy with a killer mentality that he can put that dagger in your back right at the end of the game with a big rushing attempt. He is somebody who has that level of talent of being explosive to pick up huge chunk yardage that if you just give him a little bit of space because he's this smaller compact guy that he can work his way through it but the bigger advantage for me is I see an advantage for the Notre Dame offensive line facing off against the Syracuse D line and they're the big major reason why Kyron has done so well as talented as Kyron Williams is a running back is only as good as his offensive line so having that protection up front I see a big mismatch with the offensive line. And I think that this could be another one of those days where maybe Kyron Williams isn't the guy who kills him. Maybe it's Chris Tyree. Maybe it's um, CJ Flumister. Maybe you have to go a little bit down the, down the list with like we saw against BC. I could see this being a game where he has a couple good, good touches, like a couple 20 yard gains. And then they pull him because they're focused on that Clemson game down the line. You know, it's funny you say that because you say, a running back is only as good as their offensive line. And I 1000% agree with you on that. 
But when you watch Sean Tucker play for Syracuse and you see that offensive line, it starts to make you backpedal a little bit, a little bit. But um, <laughs> what I do want to so you're kind of seeing Kyron Williams and you mentioned physical runner. Is he kind of like that Derrick Henry sort of guy where, okay, maybe not the dimensions of Derrick Henry, but in the beginning of the game, maybe it's three, four yard runs, but those three, four yard runs in the first and second quarter turn into seven, eight, 12 yard chunk plays in the third and fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, I think that from that perspective, he is a player that can take a high volume of touches and start to push his way through a couple yards here, a couple yards there. I think the, the big play he had on the first play against Clemson was an outlier from what we typically see, but he's one of those guys that falls forward for extra contact. I think the better example of comparing him to someone is more of like an Alvin Kamara. They're very similar height, weight, speed. Uh, I would argue that Williams is faster than Alvin Kamara, fantastic receiver, doesn't have to be too big, but has fantastic contact balance. And again, falls forward for those extra yards. He, the one thing that is going to annoy the hell out of Syracuse fans watching this game is seeing defenders come up and make a play on, on Kyron Williams and saying like, oh, it's a, that's a two-yard loss, and then watching him fall forward to make it a two-yard gain. That's the type <laughs> of guy that he is. Well, I'll say this. The one thing about Syracuse, too, is I kind of liken their defense to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where they've got a bunch of talented guys but it's just so undisciplined and you'll see sometimes a, a missed tackle there or a penalty there. And it turns a, a three, four yard loss into a four or five yard gain. So uh, that's one of the things that's frustrated a lot of Syracuse fans this year in terms of the rest of the offense. Okay. So we've hit on book, we've hit on Williams and this is a Notre Dame offense that lost two of its biggest players from a season ago. When you look at Cole Komet going to the bears and then chase Claypool going to the Steelers, how have they been able to replenish at those positions? First for Komet, I want to point to their fantastic freshman, Michael Mayer, being a arguably, I think, a better player than Cole Komet. This is a true freshman, a five-star recruit. People are already calling him Baby Gronk because he wears the 87. He is a is a, an aggressive blocker. He is a, a fluid guy despite being this big, bulky-looking player. Sometimes when you have these bigger tight ends that are younger – you don't expect them to move that well, but he does a really good job of it. He's, he doesn't back down from any, any opportunity that's put in front of him. He has outperformed the expectation that you typically have for a freshman tight end. Watch in a couple of years, in 2023, he's going to be the number one tight end in, in, that, in that class in 2023. In terms of receiver, they've been able to find not clones of Chase Claypool because you're not going to clone a, a guy like that, but similar stylistic receivers that have had success if you try to shut down one guy the other guy will kill you the two main players that have done so well at receiver are Javon McKinley and then also Ben Skoranek now McKinley again bigger guy strong possession receiver he's not a deep threat but because he fits that mold of a typical big strong Notre Dame wide receiver if you put him in a contested situation you better be coming for that football because he is going to make that catch Conversely, Skoranek has really come on lately. The Northwestern transfer, he almost looks like a tight end in terms of his size. Some are saying he might earn himself a senior bowl invite at some point just because he is the, the guy that you want on your NFL roster. He blocks like a madman. He's an angry dude playing wide receiver, and he will moss you in the end zone if you give him the opportunity to. I, I can tell you right now, Syracuse better not put their smallest corner on him because he will make – he will make some of those guys look silly. 
You know, it's funny. So I'm from the Northwestern neck of the woods. I always say Northwestern doesn't have wide receivers. They just have a bunch of tight ends at at all times. (laughs) So um, it's funny that you make that comp right there. Let's move to the defensive side of the ball because I believe Notre Dame has been dealing with some injuries and stuff, but what, when you look at the defensive side of the ball, are they better against the pass, better against the run? Like wh- where does Notre Dame thrive? Their strongest trait is hard to pinpoint because again, they are so talented, but the the statistic that I always like to point to and the point that I always like to draw to is how they have shut down multiple top level running backs. So Travis Etienne, he didn't go over hundred yards rushing in that game, completely took him out of the game, made a freshman quarterback, DJ Uyunglele beat them on the other side, North Carolina. People are talking about constantly how talented Javonta Williams and Michael Carter are. They say that they're the best running back duo in the country. I think that they're the only duo that has had 2000 career rushing yards. Each well, Williams has like 18 touchdowns this year too. Yeah. I mean, it, it's an unbelievable number. I remember I was listening to a Brian Kelly press conference during that. He brought up Javante Williams has 18 touchdowns. And I, I was like, yeah. I had to do a double take and I went to go Google it. And sure enough, he was right. Yeah. he's And they shut both of them down. Neither of them went over a hundred yards rushing. So that run defense, which in big part is, because of the defensive line, Dalen Hayes and Adi Ogundeji, who are going to the senior bowl are stout, talented run defenders. And they just rally to the football. They got a bunch of mean dudes. Nobody is really that dynamic of a, you know, a a prospect or an athlete among the group. They're just all really technically sound and they're also assignment sound. And that's what you need to play the run. Well, all right, lastly, I'll get you out on this. I need a prediction from you. How bad will Syracuse fans fans be feeling after this one? So I'm a little bit torn on my score prediction for this. And anybody who tunes into the locked on Irish show, they know that I tend to be too generous to the opposing team. This is a, a senior day game. And I think through the first three quarters, Notre Dame is probably going to dominate them. But in the fourth quarter, they're going to start putting in some of those seniors. This is a good opportunity for those those guys that have never played before to get into the game, you'll probably see some walk-ons that probably don't belong on the field that are going to get in there. So if I gave a realistic score prediction, I would say 42 to maybe set, let's say 17. I think that some garbage time points are going to be scored by Syracuse in those final like 10 minutes. All right, Joe DeLeon, you can catch him on the Locked On Irish podcast. And we look forward to talking to you more during hoop season. I know Syracuse and Notre Dame have that early one and maybe the, the roles will flip where now we're big brother in the, in the, the field of play. So uh, looking forward to talking to you for that and uh, appreciate you hopping on with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. We'll be talking in a couple of weeks. All right, big thanks to Joe DeLeon for joining us on the show. We do have one more guest I want to get to you. Of course, it's a game day preview podcast. So that means we are going to talk some numbers with our guy, Anthony DeBundo in DeBundo's Digits. The numbers you need to know. Anthony DeBundo breaks down the biggest stats for this week's Syracuse matchup. DeBundo's digits. On the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Notre Dame is one of the most complete teams in the entire country and arguably the best defense the Orange have faced all season. The Irish rank fourth in offensive success rate on offense, with a successful play at nearly double the rate 
as the Orange with their own offense this year. Led by quarterback Ian Book, the Irish are not at all a big play offense. They rank fourth to last in offensive explosiveness, where only Syracuse, Pittsburgh, and Florida State are lower in the ACC. They rank third in rushing success rate and second in passing success rate on offense, so it will be tough for the Orange to key in on any one facet of this Notre Dame offense. Where the Irish have really dominated opponents this year has been on defense and in the trenches. Notre Dame's rushing defense ranks top 15th nationally in rushing success rate allowed, and if Syracuse couldn't run on Wake Forest or Liberty, it's going to be next to impossible to run against Notre Dame. They rank second in the nation in defensive line yards and top 20 in offensive line yards. Compare this to the Cuse, who are near the bottom of the nation in offensive line yards and middle of the pack on defense. The Fighting Irish have advantages all over the field in the advanced numbers, and that's why they're 33.5-point favorites, but they aren't great at finishing drives. If any stat dooms Notre Dame on their quest for the college football playoff or even the ACC or national title, it will be that they are middle of the pack in offensive finishing drives. Syracuse defense ranks fourth in this metric, which could help them to keep Notre Dame off the board. But on the other side of the ball, Notre Dame's defense is first in points per scoring opportunity allowed, while SU's offense is last in scoring them. It's tough to figure out how the Orange will get six points when they do get inside the 40, if at all. And Dino Babers may need to get creative to find some points. And since this is the final DeBundo's digits of the football season, I thought I'd go back and talk about the five-year trends of this offense under Dino Babers. Syracuse offense was middle of the pack in offensive efficiency in 2016 and 2017. In 2018, they rose to fifth in the ACC offensively, the best number they've had in more than a decade. But the last two years have shown this offense is indeed broken, with SU ranking 12th out of 14 in 2019 and falling all the way to dead last this year. Only three offenses in America have a negative predicted points added per play, Kansas, UMass, and Syracuse. So five years into the Babers era, the defense has actually risen from league worst to nationally average, but the offense is far worse today than it was when he became the head coach and miles worse than it was in 2018 those are just the numbers. Thanks for tuning in for all of this football season. Great stuff there from Anthony. You can find his work on the Daily Orange, and you can also check him out on Twitter at Anthony DeBundo. All right, coming up next, it's everyone's favorite part of the show. It is time for the Prop Shop. Tim and I will go over our theoretical picks for the upcoming game, Syracuse-Notre Dame. We will do that next. All right, time for the prop shop here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard, we're back with you. So, Tim, we're running out of time here, all right? I am slightly up to close out the year. You are a little bit in the hole here, but I think right now you got to be praying that Syracuse gets one of those bowl games. Again, doesn't look like there's going to be a, a limit on wins, how many wins you have to reach this year to get to a bowl game. So I think that's where you're praying right now. Should I say it's your desperation number? time? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I, you are 28 and 31 right now. Yeah, I'm a, swinging a, for the fences today. Yeah, I mean, minus is... 410 for you. <laughs> so not great. I think we might see some some bold takes from you today. I went two and three last week. You went two and three last week. We reached down 100. I am up 45 overall for the year. I'm 29 and 30. So let's get into these prop shop picks here. We'll start. Oh, what better way to start out the final regular season game of the year? Sacks allowed. Four and a half is the number for this one that we're going to set it at. How many sacks will Syracuse allow? Will it be over or under that four and a half number? Notre Dame averages 2.6 per game. That's 41st in the nation. 
And even knowing that Syracuse is a, a pretty weak offensive line, I will say they've only allowed more than three sacks in a game three times this year. They're 0-3 in those games. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I, I know one of them was Duke, and then I think it was the first two games of the season. So they have improved, and I think part of that has been not having Tommy DeVito under center, honestly. So I'm going to say they go under, even though ND has a good pass rush and it's it's not that crazy to think they get to five sacks. That's a lot. I'm still going to say under. You bring up the good pass rush, but for a team like Notre Dame, they're 41st in the country with a little over two and a half sacks per game. I would have thought for a team that is in the college football playoff conversation, you'd be in the top 20 in that metric. So I'm with you. I am think I'm going to take the under here. I'm going to go. It could be four. <laughs> that could be the number that we see at the end of the day. Um, but that's still an under. The under would cash the same. So I, I'm with you. I'm going to take the under uh, on the sacks allowed. Next up, we're going to go to Taj Harris here. I talked a little bit about him with Joe DeLeon. Uh, but Taj Harris catches in the game. Total receptions over under six and a half. He had 13 catches last week and still didn't get back to the line of scrimmage or didn't make a great effort to once uh, the sack came to Rex Culpepper there. But still a good game from Taj He'll probably go over in this game. Game flow should be on his side. I think he gets like seven or eight balls. Right now he's fifth in the ACC, averaging 5.6 catches per game. He's also top five in receiving yards per game. And in the Dino era, they've had one receiver finish in the top five in receiving yards per game in the ACC each and every year of the Dino era. So he kind of has to do his thing this week to sort of keep that record going for Dino. I'm going to go with an over here, too. I feel like this could be a big Taj Harris game because, remember, this could be his last game as a member of Syracuse. So I would I would go with the over 6.5 here. I think he's going to call for the ball a lot, especially if it's Rex Culpepper under center. He's a guy who leans on Taj a lot. I could see 8 to 10 catches for, for Taj Harris in this game. Next up, how many turnovers will Syracuse force against the Irish? Let's set that number at 1.5. So, I don't know if you're doing this intentionally, but my plan was to just take the opposite of you, and you're making me pick first. I think you've you've got to pick first You want me to go first? I'll go first for you here, all right? (laughs) Um, I'm going to go with the under. Uh, Notre Dame's a very heady team. They they know how to take care of the football, and and Ian Book's a smart quarterback. I don't think he's going to force a lot of things against this Syracuse defense. I think we could see a battle of wits here, okay? He's a guy who's going to try to take the lead in terms of most wins for a Notre Dame quarterback. So I'm going to go with the under here on one and a half. And I also think obviously as a, I've reiterated a lot throughout this season, it's a lot harder to force fumbles than it is interceptions. So I'm going to go with the under of one and a half here. I was going to go with the under too, but I'm going to take the over because I have to start going on the different side of you at this point when I'm down what is it, almost $400 or a little yeah. over $400. I thought your strategy here was going to be, okay, you're not fighting against me. You're fighting against the, the number Vegas. here. You're trying, you're trying to get back to even here. <laughs> Which, obviously, that's, it's not really Vegas. But, yeah, that's a, that's a good strategy. I guess I might have the bowl game, as you said. It, it seems hard to believe that they'd force two turnovers against Notre Dame, but Hughes is leading the nation in takeaways still. They're tied with uh, UCF, 22 takeaways on the season. So... By my math, I think that that puts them slightly over one and a half per game. I'll I'll uh, take the over and just try and get it so that I can get a little uh, ground made up on you. Speak it into existence. How about you? All right. 
Next up, we've got the first touchdown in the game. Here's the list I got for you, all right? Sean Tucker, the leader in the clubhouse, he's plus 190, followed by Taj Harris, plus 225, Nike Johnson, 310, Aaron Hackett, 350, Luke Benson, Anthony Queeley, or a quarterback run at 450, no touchdown, plus 500, other, plus 600, and a defensive score, plus 750. No TD is kind of intriguing. At, is at it calling your 500. name? That's no, a little I'm dangerous. Gonna go, I'm going to go Aaron Hackett, and I'm doing it from a, a destiny standpoint. He needs one touchdown to break the all-time career touchdown record at, at for a tight end at Syracuse in their career. If he, if he gets a touchdown, I believe that gets him to nine in his career, even though he had six of them last year and he has not gotten the ball enough this year. I'm going to say he gets it, and I know he's still got another year left in a Syracuse career anyway, but yeah, it feels but then, like you know, all the stat heads are going to start complaining. So, so get him while you can now. Yeah. It feels like it's, it's just a poetic way for him to end the year is, Oh yeah, that's right. We had these great tight ends and Sterling didn't use them all year. And and now we get to see a tight, a tight end touchdown, which I guess we've seen a couple. They each have two Benson and Hackett, but Luke Benson has 15 catches in his career. Five of them are touchdowns. It's, it's like, that has to be some sort of record mathematically to have a third of your catches be touchdowns. Right. Uh, I'm going to go with Taj Harris here. I, I like picking him to score the first touchdown a lot. And it just, like I've said, I feel like this could be a Taj Harris game where he goes out, gets an early score, gets his momentum going. So give me Taj Harris once again. I'll take him on the plus 225. Next up, here's a little fun one for you here, Tim. All right. And I don't know if we really briefed each other on this, but I'm going to set the line for us here. All right. When will they show the historical new house figures, the Mike Tarikos <laughs> of the world? Because he will be on the call for this game again. This is an yeah. NBC game. We're not getting uh, the ACC network here, my friend. We no nooners. The full-fledged ACC, or, uh, NBC treatment this weekend. So give me, uh, we'll set the line. When will they show the, the new house mafia montage? Let's go. Let's go four minutes left in the third quarter. All right, I'll take the under, or the before on that, however before you want to phrase okay. it. Yeah, I mean, last time they had the NBC game, they probably showed it, and it's been a couple years since. It's it's amazing. The last time these two teams met, it was a top 12 showdown. Like, how much has the program fallen since that game? And you were at that game, right, at Yankee Stadium? I was, Stadium? yep. I was actually, yeah. I was working with with uh, NBC for that game. That's right, yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take the before in that. What are you leaning I'm, I'm going to take the after. I feel like okay. that's a, a fourth that's quarter big. thing for them. So I'll let you, I'll let you gain a little a little extra ground there. All right, ready for another prop bet here? Odds that we are shown in that uh, new house thing. Plus 5 million I'm giving you. <laughs> are you going to take it? Are you going to take the plus 5 million that they show uh, us on that? I mean, I'm, I'm down 410 on the year. That, that'd that be an easy way to, to get now. That That's not going to happen. So I'm not going to whiff on $100 because each of our Listen, bets I'm are saying so. if we accidentally had stepped into one of these camera shots three, four years ago, that counts, all right? If there's any semblance of us in it, it counts. So just saying. They don't have to necessarily be talking about us, but if we are in, like, let's say there's a picture of, like, Tariko and us from back in the day, or even if we're in the background of a picture that Tariko's in, or that some other new house member's in, it counts. I'm just going to lay that I'd out. I'd rather there. take Syracuse to win the game as a dog. <laughs> <laughs> the the plus 2,600 on the money line right now. Um, so let's get to the spread pick here. Um, so the line is Do set we have at to 33 say it? and a half. <laughs> 
Oh gosh. Thirty-three and a half. I was going to guess. I don't believe is the biggest it, spread of the oh. year. Correct? Am I correct on that? The, the no, Clemson, Clemson was bigger. Dude. Was in the was that was in the forties? That correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, remembering. I, yeah, that was that was forty something, and they covered that. I'll say they cover. Why not? I mean. <laughs> Notre Dame, you think they'll just go easy on them at a certain point. Maybe I'm wrong, but like they can backdoor to a 30-point loss, can't they? Is that too yeah. much to ask? Like, Get us some money here, QC. We've got one win all year. It's been a trying time. Just let us cover here. Yeah, the Clemson spread was 47.5. I just looked that up. And kind of what I was just discussing with Joe earlier, I am also going to take Syracuse to cover in this game because it is senior day for this Notre Dame team. And we might see Brian Kelly start to trot some of those seniors, some of those walk-ons out Mm. there if it's a blowout late in the game. And we could see Syracuse maybe exploit some of that because I imagine they're still going to have a number of their actual players out there. Even a guy like Rex, who this could be his last game as, as a member of the Syracuse Orange. So I am going to go with Syracuse to cover the 33 and a half. I, I believe I gave my prediction as 39 to 13 which would be a 26-point gap there. So uh, the total is set at 51.5. And, mm. and based on my my game score, I have it going half a point over. So I guess I'll take the over in this game. Yeah, that's fate for you. I, I kind of want to take the opposite side of you, but I'm going to take the over as well. I, I've whiffed on most of the over-unders all year, but it does feel like that's too low, considering Notre Dame could get to 40 on their own. And I know... Like, Cuse could lay up three or zero points in this game. That wouldn't shock me that much. So maybe it is a pretty fair over-under, but I still lean over because Notre Dame could get you very close to that number just on their own. All right, so there you have it. Those are our picks for the week. If you want to play along with us, check us out on Twitter, at LO underscore Syracuse, and you can fire away with some of your picks for the week on our prop shop board. All right, that's going to do it for us today on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Tomorrow on the show... We're going to get into a basketball recap. Again, today is a Syracuse game day for the Hoop Squad. We already previewed Niagara. You can check that out on the Wednesday edition of the show. So if you want to get any of that, get you ready for the game today, tonight, you can go ahead and listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. And then on top of that, we'll also get into a little bit of rider stuff as well when we do our... um, when we do our rider preview, we'll get give you a little snippet of that, get you ready for the weekend as well. All right, so for Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Oh.